We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions As an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Look deep into nature, and then you will understand everything better. That quote is from Albert Einstein. And one more quote before we get started today. Adopt the pace of nature. Her secret is patience. That quote is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jillian Hundle, and today's theme is The Gift of Nature. Hey all, I'm Jack Palacos. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of Be The Star You Are Charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be The Star You Are needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. We have launched our Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund and desperately need donations to help ship much-appreciated books to victims. Please donate today at www.bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. Additionally, our brand new book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, is available now at cynthiabryan.com slash online store, where you can also find the other two anthologies we've published. We also have a special treat for you all to start off the hour. We have our amazing Express Yourself producer, Cynthia Bryan's chapter in our new book for our first segment today. Cynthia is the founder of Be The Star You Are and has worked tirelessly for almost 20 years with BTSYA to promote literacy and positive message media. She's a gardening aficionado who is also an accomplished author, empowerment architect, and acting coach. We're extremely honored to have her chapter for today's first segment. And without further ado, here's The Gift of Nature by Cynthia Bryan. Why are we not listening? Mother Nature has given us plenty of warning of the dangers to come if humans don't alter their habits, yet our ears are plugged. Climate change is happening and many people choose to look the other way. Are we in denial about our shifting weather patterns? Over the past few decades, our Earth has experienced unprecedented disasters, causing major loss of lives and billions of dollars in damage. Hurricanes, tsunamis, cyclones, tornadoes, mudslides, floods, fires, volcanic eruptions, earthquakes, typhoons, blizzards, droughts, heat waves, torrential rains, snowstorms, pestilence, and avalanches have all taken their toll. Despite the relief efforts of governments and organizations, displacement, disease, homelessness, famine, loss of hope, and death follow in the footsteps of these natural catastrophes. It's time to wake up and realize that humans are not in charge of the universe. 
Glaciers are melting, sea levels are rising, and global surface temperatures are growing increasingly warmer. The scientific consensus on climate change stands firm that we are in trouble. In advancing the science of climate change released by the United States Research Council, it is obvious that climate is changing and these changes are in large part due to human activities. While much remains to be learned, the core phenomenon, scientific questions, and hypothesis have been examined thoroughly and have stood firm in the face of serious scientific debate and careful evaluation of alternative explanation. The National Academy of Science of the United States of America agrees that climate change is largely irreversible. Humans may not be totally responsible for global warming. However, we must do our part to take action now. How can we slow the process? For starters, we can begin appreciating the gift of nature and the power she possesses. As a farmer and a gardener, I've always been acutely aware that no matter how much I attempt to harness her strength through human endeavors, Mother Nature is always in charge. If my crops are plentiful, one heavy rain before harvest time could destroy a year's worth of effort. A gathering of gophers or a herd of hungry deer can eradicate an entire rose garden within days. A swarm of aphids will demolish a vegetable patch, sucking the vitality out of every single plant. An extended drought kills livestock and plants. My farm is just a pin mark on the world map, but it illustrates the importance of listening to nature and being ready to flow with the river. A term that is thrown around consistently is living in organic and natural lifestyle. To be called organic, crops need to be grown with fewer or no insecticides and pesticides, no synthetic fertilizers, and no genetically modified substances. Animals must be fed organic feed using the above criteria for growing the food and raised without antibiotics or drugs. Food marked organic cannot contain any artificial coloring, flavoring, preservatives, or other chemical ingredients. Many people confuse natural with organic. They are vastly different because there are no federal regulations surrounding slapping the word natural on packaging. To live in the natural world is to listen to the rhythm of the seasons and live according to the calls of nature. We must embrace economic and social sustainability if we are to survive as a species. We must encourage biological diversity and organic principles and create a smaller carbon footprint. It's time to truly be green by recycling, repurposing, reusing, and reducing if we are to prevent the depletion of our resources. We have to stop greenwashing and believe in the viability and durability of our planet. Healthier communities will spur economic growth when greenhouse gases and emissions are eliminated. By establishing wildlife habitats, protecting our national parks and open spaces, Growing as much of our own food as possible, eliminating waste, being energy efficient, making certain that our water supply isn't contaminated by industrial and agricultural pollutants, and curtailing building in areas that are or will be prone to calamity, we take a first step towards sustainability and living in concert with nature. The choices each individual makes every day contribute to the health or the sickness of our earth. One of the most important things we can do for ourselves and for our children is to bring nature into our daily routines. Throughout evolutionary history, humans lived in harmony with nature. Unfortunately, today in our technological speedy world, yesterday is too late mode, uh, most of our hours are spent indoors instead of outdoors. We're plugged in and tuned out. To combat this growing behavior, in Japan in the 1990s, the Japanese Ministry of Agriculture, Forestry, and Fisheries coined the term Shinrin-yoku, forgive my pronunciation, uh, which translates to forest bathing. 
This practice is rightfully gaining popularity in the United States because walking in nature with no particular destination or goal has been found to be good medicine. Whether you are tromping through a jungle or strolling through a city park, meandering in a wooded, tree-filled location is good for you. Forest bathing reminds me of two famous quotes by two renowned naturalists. Henry David Thurio wrote, In wilderness is the preservation of the world. And John Muir instructed, in every walk with nature, one receives far more than he seeks. By engaging all of the senses of sound, taste, smell, touch, and sight, connecting with the natural environment reduces stress, lowers blood pressure, declutters the mind, and leads to a deep feeling of relaxation. No one knows for certain what Mother Nature has planned for the human race in the next century. The 70-mile-wide, 2,500-mile-long path of totality that the eclipse traced for 90 minutes from the west coast to the Atlantic Ocean in 2017 brought a calm and camaraderie to the nation. As citizens across the continent donned special glasses, the majesty and beauty of this rare occurrence was shared as a community and a country. The eclipse was an opportunity to feel the splendor and grandeur of the universe with total acknowledgement of our small place in the galaxy. Nature has always been and always will be in charge. We need to fully participate in helping her maintain order. We must be the change today if we are to coexist with nature tomorrow. And now we have a small exercise that Cynthia has included with the chapter called Retreat to Nature. If humans are to survive and thrive, I have full confidence in this generation of millennials who are willing to tackle and solve the major issues that face the world. Released when coal, oil, or other fossil fuels are burned for energy, carbon dioxide is nature's biggest enemy. Of course, we need energy to power our cars, homes, computers, and smartphones, but we must embrace other methods. There are simple things we can do to reduce global warming and our carbon footprint while indulging in the tools that nature freely provides. If you implement even a couple of these strategies, our Earth will be healthier. You, your children, grandchildren, and future generations of children will be the beneficiaries. And so here are some following strategies you can do. Number one, power your home with solar or wind. Number two, plant a garden in a pot or a plot. Number three, compost and eliminate waste. Number four, buy energy-efficient appliances. Number five, get up, get out, and smell the roses. Walk in nature daily. Number six, reduce nature consumption. Number seven, advocate for clean air and water. Number eight, encourage kids to enjoy the woods. Number nine, do a digital detox. Unplug and go outdoors to marvel at nature's majesty. Number 10, study nature, love nature, adopt the pace of nature. And finally, number 11, contact politicians and tell them you care about climate change. And wow, I thought that was an excellent chapter. I wanna definitely thank Cynthia for penning this chapter. The environment is obviously such an important issue that I'm very glad to have gotten her take on. Um, unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this segment. Listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. We have lots of fun events coming up, so check out bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Jack Palacos. Watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. In addition, Cynthia Bryan has just authored a brand new book, Growing with the Goddess Gardener. It's now available at CynthiaBryan.com slash online dash store with 25% of proceeds benefiting Be The Star You Are and Express Yourself. At the same site, you can purchase the anthology Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, with which this chapter is from. Make sure to keep listening as we continue our show on The Gift of Nature. 
Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our show. I'm Jovan Hundel, and this is Express Yourself Teen Radio, with today's theme, Celebrating Gifts of Nature. I'm Jack Kalakos. For this next segment, we have our guest, Day Shildrek. Day Shildrek is internationally known for morning altars, which has inspired tens of thousands of people of all ages across the globe to be awed with impermanent earth art. Day Shildrek is known internationally for morning altars and has inspired thousands of people of all ages from all over the world to forge, build, and be awed with the earth art. Morning Altars is so popular and has over 59,000 followers on Instagram and over 25,000 followers on Facebook. Day is an educator and public speaker, and we are so excited to have him on the show to share his, con- his way to connect teenagers spiritually with a deeper nature connection. Welcome to the show, Day. Hey, thanks for being I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. And I just wanted to jump right into this. So, like, your, um, your education and speaking is... Uh, kind of talking about how, you know, you can connect teenagers to nature. And I was just curious, like, what were you like as a teenager? That's a great question. Um, first off, you know, I I absolutely love teenagers. It's it's like the, ap- the kind of people that I just want to hang out with all the time. And um, I actually teach teenagers once a week uh, for the past 11 years around a fire every Tuesday night. And so it's that time of the evening, that time of the week where I get to really just connect with my teenager that's still alive and well inside of me. And uh, when I was a teenager back about, I'd say, 20 years ago, um, I was very much interested in being outside. I just love to um, romp in the forest. I love to be on the beach. I love to go hikes, to go on hikes. I like to be in, um, in the wilderness anywhere in the world. And um, simultaneously, I was also very interested in the theater. And I had this like very outdoors part of me and this very indoors part of me. Um, I was an actor and a director. And uh, for the first 10 years of my life post-college, um, I worked on Broadway And so it's always been this tug of war inside of me between uh, always being drawn outside and always being drawn inside. And um, and so when I was a teen, you know, I was very much uh, faced with that um, contention. And I still am today. 
Oh, wow. That, you know, that's such an interesting trajectory to see yourself go from this nature-loving teen, go to Broadway, and now what you do with Morning Altars. It's a really interesting trajectory. And I think it's um, especially interesting just because, you know, at like the tender ages of like 17, 18, um, <laughs> teenagers are sometimes walked into a decision on what they want to do for the next, I don't know, 50 plus years. Yeah. And so it's, Interesting that, you know, you don't always necessarily have to follow that path, that you can find yourself in the way that you did. And so I wanted to ask then, um, so how has art shaped your life? And how did you first get into this um, morning altars and with starting this organization? Sure. Um, Well, I would say when I was five years old, I was the kind of kid that was very empathetic towards animals and uh, after rainstorms, I would be the one running out on the driveway and I would feel so bad for all of the little worms that were wiggling down on the driveway, misplaced from their homes. And so even at five years old, I would just kind of help them all get onto these little leaves and I'd, I'd bring them back to the earth and I'd punch a little hole in the ground and I'd wig- help them wiggle their way back into the ground. And I was the one that was also decorating their homecoming. So I was taking little branches and flower petals and berries and whatnot and, and making their homecoming beautiful. And, um, and so, you know, when I was um, growing up as a teenager, um, it was very hard, I would say, for me to be able to keep that innocence um, because there's so many pressures as a teen and there's all of these pressures of achievement and pressures of competence and pressures to do the right thing and there's almost like a conveyor belt that I feel like teenagers are on all of the time um, and even as adults and so I felt that pressure to to kind of um, I would say lose that way that I rem- that I had as a as a kid very naturally very empathetic um, And as a teenager, um, you know, I was kind of going to school, got into college and really had a a trajectory that I was on. And it was very difficult for me um, to continue to maintain that sense of wonder and innocence. But it was outside where I could reconnect to it again. And when I would just wander outside, it w- my eyes would just be darting all around and uh, leaves and berries and flowers and rocks and bark and bones, they all just were so beautiful and spoke to me. And, um, and so it wasn't until actually I had a major breakup um, some years ago that I started Morning Altars. And that came about because... Um, I really couldn't do anything. I was so down from this breakup for a long time, for a few months, that I really couldn't do anything during the breakup but really um, walk my dog into the hills of the place that I was living. And I, uh, my head was down just because I was feeling sad. I was sorrowing. And I would still find these beautiful leaves that had all of the colors of the springtime on them. Or these berries that were just bursting in these clusters that looked like they could have been from, 
you know, in a hanging in a Greek temple or something like that. And my mind, my imagination just came alive in the midst of my grief. Um, and one day I was walking my dog and I remember it really clearly. I actually talk about this in the book that I just wrote. And we were walking on the hill in a place called Wildcat Canyon. And it was dawn. The fog was rolling down the hills. And I, it just was such a beautiful scene. And I was feeling so sad. And I just sat down under a eucalyptus tree. And I remembered what I was doing when I was a kid. You know, I remember those worms. And I remember my love being outside. I remember my love for beauty. And I just sat down there and and I saw these glistening mushrooms that were just looked like they were painted in watercolor. And before I knew it, I just started to rearrange the mushrooms and the eucalyptus bark and the eucalyptus cap and some this and some that. And an hour went by like it was five seconds. And I looked down and what I arranged was just quite beautiful. It really just looked like this um, mandala of earth objects. And, um, and that was the first time I had done that in a very long time. And I asked myself a question, could I do this for 30 days, like as a challenge to myself to help with my heartbreak? And so for 30 days, I returned to the same spot on those walks. I grabbed a basket or a bag and I just found all of these treasures in my neighborhood and I walked up the hill and I made something new every day. I created something and I was basically taking my heartbreak and making something beautiful with it. And I haven't stopped. It's been years and years and I've made over a thousand. And it's the part, I even made one today behind my, I'm at my aunt and uncle's house right now and I made one in their hill behind their house. And it's the way that I feel the most alive. It's the way that I feel most connected with myself. It's the way I feel most connected with the entire world. And, uh, and apparently it's my career, which is such a crazy and unusual thing because not many people do what I do. There's very few artists out there, but there's even fewer p artists that create impermanent art, which is stuff that's not meant to last. All of my art basically either gets blown away or dies or gets eaten and so it's a very unusual career, but I'm leading with my passion and I'm leading with my heart. And this is what many people would call a calling. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, um, that's just like a really cool career to have in general, I think, because um, like you said, it's definitely not a common one. And I just remember that um, over the summer, uh, I went to Oregon with some friends and we were on this hike in a mountain. And there was like the same type of art that you were talking about. Um, I guess it was a trend or something that under this little overhang in the cliff, people would stack these flat types of rocks that were there mm -hmm. on each other. And uh, so, like some of them were really cool because they would like stick them into like a big one into a crevice at the bottom. And then yeah. they would stack smaller ones on top and it would just get super tall. And it was a really cool sight too because the overhang kind of protected protected it from weather so it was you know it stayed intact and I was just curious when you were talking about um like your path and journey after the breakup when you were kind of recovering and making the art um like what made you do specifically 30 days what did you just choose that as a random number or does it have like a a special meaning to you well no that doesn't have any special meaning it was just me trying to see if if I could do if I could practice something, 
you know, and so sometimes just giving yourself a little bit of time, you know, a month to do something every day, it kind of starts to stick or it doesn't stick. And so I just arbitrarily chose 30 days. Um, but I want to I want to point out something in your story um, about those stacked rocks, because that really is all over the planet. And while I started off just giving myself 30 days, um, there are some people on this planet who their ancestors have been doing this for like thousands of years. And the, one of the coolest things about doing morning altars and putting it out onto Instagram is that it's like putting a seed out into the world. And I'll put, take a picture of my art, I'll put it out onto social media, and then I'm not joking at all, like 10 times a week, I'll get someone else in Russia or England or Spain or Brazil or Alaska who went outside their house and basically collected things of their neighborhood and made something beautiful and sent it to me. And suddenly there's this amazing movement that's happening. People all over the world are making art out of their very backyards and we're all sharing it together. And, um, and recently, you know, I received a, a piece from someone in India and they said to me, oh yeah, this is what our families have been doing for generations. We call them Rangolis. And, you know, for every festival that we have in India, our, our whole family makes them right outside our front door out of all of the things in the neighborhood and in the kitchen. And someone a few months ago from Peru sent me something that they called a despacho. And someone in America sent me something that they call a medicine wheel. And, and, and in Tibet, they have sand mandalas. <clears throat> and so suddenly there's this connecting point, this nexus of um, people all around the world, some of them for generations that have been making earth art. And in our country, we have a really strange thing, which is we have impermanent art in the country um, and, and in our culture. It's just subjugated to children. So we have snowmen and sandcastles and Easter eggs and jack-o'-lanterns. But for some reason, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, for some reason for adults, all of the art is considered that's valuable is considered to be permanent, and I'm curious if you if you if you had any thoughts about why the art in our country um, that is ephemeral means it's not meant to last is only for kids, but the art that's meant to last is for adults. See if you. Um, you know, art is sort of like that kind of refuge and whatever we make, what kind of, whatever meaning we're able to take away from it, whether it stands for something specific for us. I feel, you know, as we get older and we have, you know, this really fast paced life, we want to return mm -hmm. to those moments of refuge and they want to go back and find the same meaning that I think we found when we originally made this art and maybe if we don't have you know time or something like that we kind of just want to take the easy way out and look at what we did in the past instead of creating something new maybe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And um, yeah, that was a fascinating conversation. A lot of insights for me, Dave, that I'm sure our audience loves to hear. Unfortunately, we are at a time in this segment. But um, audience, make sure to find more about Dave Shukret by visiting morningalters.com, uh, patreon.com slash morningalters, and instagram.com slash morningalters. And in the next segment, we'll be continuing our segment or continuing our conversation with Dave. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Jack Palacos. Visit www.bethestarur.org for more information about Express Yourself and Be The Star You Are, um, where you can also find out, uh, or also, sorry, um, visit www.bethestarur.org slash events, where you can also find out more about upcoming opportunities for spreading positivity as a part of our charity. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. Make sure to keep listening as we continue our lightning reading from chapters in our new book be the star you are millennials to boomers show the world your smile be the star you are if you are ready to be inspired energized and edutained you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at be the star you are radio.com live every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific on the voice america empowerment channel it's our lifestyle show star style be the star you are with hosts cynthia bryan and heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We didn't invent Kid Talk. We perfected it. And at a very young age, you're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our inspirational and uplifting show. Today... At Express Yourself Teen Radio. Uh, we're all about the gift of nature. My name is Jack Palacos. And I'm Joven Hundle. For this next segment, we'll be continuing our conversation with our guest, Dave Shilkret. Dave Shilkret is known internationally for morning altars and has inspired thousands of people of all ages from all over the world to forage, build, and be awed with earth art. Dave is igniting an international movement by sharing the art, teachings, and spirit of morning altars as a tangible spiritual practice that renews and redeems our relationship to wonder, creativity, nature connection, generosity, and impermanence. Day also became the first artist-in-residence at the largest gay spiritual retreat center on the East Coast, um, called Easton Mountain, and has also worked at festivals and venues like Burning Man, Dance of Liberation in New York City, Wilderness Torah, Lightning in a Bottle, Symbiosis Gathering, Bioneers Conference, Wisdom 2.0, and the Wanderlust Festival. His new book, Morning Altars, is now available for pre-order at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other major retailers. And with that, let's welcome Day back onto the show. Hi, Day. Hey there. Good to be here. Definitely. And we're very happy to have you on today. Um, And so I wanted to ask you then, so you talked a little in the last segment about your journey to uh, um, sort of developing this new, this art form for yourself. 
and you talked about receiving these submissions from all over the world. But what made you first want to spread your, I guess, sort of enlightenment with the world after you first came across it yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's interesting. In the book that I just wrote, I break down each chapter into one step of the process to make them. And so the first step is the first chapter and step is called Wander and Wonder. The second one is called Place. The third is called Clear. The fourth is called Create. The fifth is called Gift. And the sixth is called Share. And, and of course, the seventh is called letting go. But the one that you're mentioning right now is the, about the sixth called share. And um, I often get the question, hey, if your art is so is, a, is ephemeral and impermanent, why do you photograph it? And I think that's a fantastic question. And in this day and age where everything is photographed and everything is videoed, I mean, I look through some of the my social media feeds and you know, I'm seeing people's baths and lunches and, you know, <laughs> like everything's being photographed. And then I'm out in the woods making something beautiful for maybe something personal, you know, um, or maybe some or maybe it's a gift to a friend of mine, you know, has a baby or, um, you know, like maybe there's someone's birthday and I do them for all different reasons. Maybe it's just because I'm feeling grateful that morning. And I wake up and I'm just, you know, wanting to create something beautiful because of my gratitude. Um, but the sharing thing is very interesting. And, um, and I love documenting my work. And I think it's really very interesting to take a photograph before I start in the middle of my creative practice um, when it's done. And then when it starts to decompose or get destroyed. And so I always try and go back to the spot where I made my piece and photograph it um, at, in all of its different life cycles. And interestingly enough, uh, a few weeks ago, I just I made a pretty large one at a festival called Beloved. It was about, I'd say, 18 feet by 18 feet. It took about three days to make, and about three people helped me make it. And it was made from, I, I foraged the beach before I went um, to the spot where I was going to make it. And I found about a hundred crab shells and I found about 200 mussel shells. And I came back to that spot and I made this huge, gorgeous morning altar out of all of this material, plus like sugar pine cones and berries and lots of other stuff. And throughout the days that we were there, it was like almost a hundred degrees every day. And when I started out, everything had all this bright color and it was alive and it looked fresh. And throughout the days, it was like it was getting cooked in the sun. And by the last day that I was there, this huge altar that I made looked like it had aged. And all of the reds turned orange, all of the oranges turned yellow, all of the yellows turned green, all the greens turned gray. And I took a photograph of it. I documented it as it um, changed color. And it, it is very fascinating. I mean, it almost looked like you took a photograph of something right now. And then throughout the days, it looked like you were going back in time to like a photograph from the 60s or 50s. And I love that. I'm very attractive to, attracted to watching things change and watching them 
get older. I love that process. I think it's dynamic. It's interesting. It doesn't stay the same. It's constantly moving. And that's like life, you know, and nature is the thing that allows us to understand the true nature of life, which is that everything's changing all of the time. We're never staying the same. And sometimes it feels that way, but that's just an illusion. And I, my art is devoted to helping people understand change. And that's, that's one of the reasons I take photographs. That's definitely a really good reason to take the photographs because, yeah, like obviously in life, everything is going to change. And if you make like a good creation, um, it's definitely not wrong to take a picture of it so that you can remember it. Because if you travel to a different country and then you make a morning altar, you're probably not going to have another chance to see that again. And if, you know, you're really proud of it, then of course you should be able to remember it and maybe show it to other people around you who are also interested in the same thing. And you were speaking a lot about how you like change and obviously our society is changing too. And I was curious, um, since a lot of teens now are more fixated on technology, what inspires you about the changing in like new current generation of teens? Well, I think that, you know, teen, right now, teenagers specifically are the most um, important generation that's coming up right now. And at the same time, the most burdened. And it is, you know, I, as I said, I teach teens every week. So I'm in constant conversations about some of the things that are happening um, that the teens are, are um, you know, struggling with. And this is very different in some ways than when I was a teenager. And for me, having an opportunity to just be outside in front of the fire when I'm teaching or to take teens outside on a hike through the hills or to sit outside and to make beauty um, with nature, with teenagers, to me, it's like the feedback I keep on getting from, from the people, from the teenagers that I'm teaching is how they never get this kind of space in their lives, partially because of their home life, partially because of school, and partially because of technology. It's like the speed of our time right now is people can't keep up with it. And what I love to do with teens is to slow down and to wonder about things and to look at, for instance, one of my favorite things to do is to, is to look at the nighttime sky and to wonder about where we are and how we got here and, uh, and where we're going. And these are questions that we as humans have been asking since the beginning of time. But we're in an information age where it's like we're stockpiling more and more information all the time and we're crowding out these things that I'm calling mysteries. And my job both as an artist and as a teacher, is to help other people connect back with the smallest and the biggest mysteries in life. And I think good art does that, right? Good art takes us out of our, our stories and our lives, and it brings us into a much bigger story or a much smaller story. And it lets us consider something besides ourselves. And that is what my art is on about all the time. And what we're contending with in this day and age with 
you know, this, this time of me, 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 um, you know, iPhones and iPads and iPods. And, you know, it's a lot of me centered culture, but we live in a much bigger world and nature is the way out of that. Nature is the way into that much bigger world. And, um, and I think it is imperative for all of us to find our way outside again and to sit. I mean, today I just literally, I made a piece of art outside under a tree and then the most gorgeous inchworm that was like black and white speckled on its back that I've, I've never seen a, an inchworm like that before. I mean, it looked like a painting in itself. It inched its way throughout the entire art piece that I made. And that alone was like something so cool and wondrous. And I just took a moment to just be with that, that, you know, the thing that I made is being interacted with probably this creature that lives there. And there was this amazing interaction. And in that moment, I felt much more connected and much more alive. And that is, you know, what I'm asked. That's what my practice is. And that's what my book's about. And that's what I'm on about in my life. Wow. That's very, you know, powerful. Um, you know, and I keep going back in my head to something you said in the previous segment where you compared, you know, teens going through teenage years as sort of being on a conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to ask you, um, before we go, if you could sort of give any teen just one piece of advice on how to start slowing down, how to um, reconnect with nature, if you could sum it all into just one piece of advice on how they can start doing this, well, what would you say to a teen out there? Well, I would say, first off, don't believe me. Go out and experience it yourself. <laughs> that, that's number one. Don't, don't do it because I say I, if anything, you know, be very curious about what I'm saying, but, you know, don't just take my word for it. Um, this is something to be experienced. This is something to be felt with your hands. It's tactile to be seen with your eyes, to be smelled with your nose and listened with your ears. And this is also something for your imagination to wonder about. Um, so I would just say my, you know, my advice is the anti-advice, which is don't, don't trust me try it, you know, like try tomorrow, open your door and just get lost for a, a 10 minutes in your neighborhood. You know, I, I think we're, we're so we're of the GPS generations right now where we put it in where we are, where we think we should go. And we're trying to go in these straight lines. Well, life is not made of straight lines. It's like the more like a river. Absolutely. And yeah, I want to thank you so much, Dave, for coming on to the show today. Yeah. Um, audience, make sure to find out more about Dave Shokred and his amazing work at morningalters.com, um, Instagram.com slash morningalters, and Patreon.com slash morningalters. And make sure to also stick around for more Express Yourself. I'm Joven Hundle. And I'm Jack Palacos. Visit www.bethestarur.org and expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about Express Yourself and Be The Star You Are. This has been another segment of Express Yourself Teen Radio. Make sure to keep listening as we continue our discussion on The Gift of Nature. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. 
Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. The longer you listen, the later it gets. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our uplifting and inspiring show. My name is Jack Palakos, and now we will be continuing our theme highlighting the gifts of nature. And I'm Jovan Hundle. For this segment, we are thrilled to be inviting back one of our newest Express Yourself reporters, Kenneth John, and his segment 2020 Vision. Take it away, Kenneth. Thanks, guys, and hi. Today for 2020 Vision, I'm going to be talking about the art of nature photography. So nature, in the sense of something not man-made or directly influenced by humans, is probably the most common subject of photography in general. It's just naturally appealing. Nature often offers uh, vibrant colors and unique shapes, outlines that look great in pictures. Uh, By now, you've probably seen at least a few dozen photos of a sunset or the beach or a flower from friends or family social media accounts, random people on the internet, in books, magazines, maybe even your own personal camera roll or SD card. But even though these vacation and travel photos are fun to take and look at, maybe you want more. The professional photos on the internet or in newspapers seem to be on another level. Even beyond expert precision and composition, there might just be something different about them that makes them more eye-catching. Well, that's exactly what today's topic is. I want to talk to talk about what exactly the guidelines are to start your quest for nature photography expertise. Uh, even though I talked about getting beyond precision and composition, it's still extremely important to know your way around the purely technical functions and rules. The rule of thirds, the rule that directs you to align subjects on the lines created by splitting the photo into a 3x3 rectangle or square, is absolutely essential. Nature is, by its very essence, most commonly a scenic experience with a lot of different parts melding together to create a nice view. The rule of thirds is the tried and proven method for capturing a scene, since it perfectly balances the eye's focus between the main subject and the rest of the space. It makes different parts of a grand image easier for our brains to read and connect together making the entire picture visually appealing. Um, Next, it's important to acknowledge the amount of time and, unfortunately, luck that goes into a good photo. Knowing how to light the photo is probably one of the trickiest parts of nature photography, since natural light is such a hard element to control. Knowing when and where to be is important to get top-notch lighting. The midday sun will usually invade your photo with harsh direct lighting, so the morning and evening are more ideal for good pictures. Even then, the amazing, vibrant photos you'll usually see on the internet or in magazines are typically only possible for a couple minutes every day, week, month, or maybe even year. Uh, Even then, snow and sky are additional challenges to sliding since they can trick a camera's exposure readings with bright reflections. But now, aside from the more technical tricks, one of the most important things to keep in mind when photographing nature is the emotion you want to convey. Nature photography is special in that when you take a picture, you're photographing something raw and unrestrained. 
You're stripped of any human subjects that can create or uh, manipulate the mood. And so while it may be harder to capture complex commentative images, it might get a lot easier to take pictures that translate across pure direct feelings. One of the bits on National Geographic's list of tips for nature photography is to think of adjectives you want your photo to be before you take it. And I think that's a really great way to think of it. You want to be able to describe the experience of being in the middle of your scene with your picture. Staying with National Geographic, I want to talk about the picture that won the grand prize of their national or nature photographer of the year in 2017. I think it perfectly exemplifies a photo's ability to convey a powerful emotion while also making revealing commentary at the same time. The image shows an orangutan, oh, waist deep in a Borneo river, quietly hugging a tree while staring directly into the camera. The upper half of the orangutan sits near the center, framed by a wide tree, a dark river, and a green jungle. Its head is bowed slightly, and while I can't be completely sure, since I'm not an expert on orangutan behavior, its facial expression seems to be one of nervousness or caution. The picture conveys one thing, fear. But not the fear we have of nature, but the fear nature has of itself and us. And the context, provide, the context might provide some more explanation. Orangutans hate water, and even in the other pictures that were part of the winning photos collection, you can see the ape actively trying to keep its arms out of the water. And people speculate that the orangutan is being forced to traverse the river after its land was cleared by the ever-increasing palm oil industry, which deforests the jungle and destroys its habitats. But then, that's just speculation. We can't know for sure, since we don't know where the orangutan actually lived. But even then, what's great is that without that extra information, the photo is so clear in what it wants to say. You don't need to particularly know anything to get it. A quick look through the other winners of the photo contest shows that most of the best photos do something similar. A pure emotion conveyed with just colors, composition, and lighting. You don't need to know anything about the animals or the locations or the plants. You can not only understand it, but feel it overwhelmingly. Wow, yeah. I always um, love kind of the amount of research that you put into these segments. You know, it really provides us with a lot of insight that, you know, only experts would have in a view like this. And so I wanted to ask you then, you know, with someone, uh, with something as, you know, chaotic as nature, how can a photographer make a cohesive image, take this picture with, that has this message? Like, for example, the National Geographic one you said, where you got the idea of fear. How does a photographer kind of get that picture of nature and send across that message? Um, well, I think what seems to work best is capturing small sections that kind of represent a whole. You know, focus on simple but attention-grabbing things, like a particular color or interesting object, and build a frame around it. Just like how that picture did with the uh, face of the orangutan. It's kind of just right in the center of the frame, and then the picture kind of revolves around it. And, you know, photos will always be a little random. But there should always be that central or organized subject or theme that the photographer tries to go for. And as long as that's executed well, you know, it can work. And, you know, also, aside from all that artsy stuff, it's good to just take as many pictures as you can and sort out the good ones later. That's just <laughs> what all the pros do. Yeah, because I, I know that um, whenever I try to take pictures, um, you know, usually you just take a, a bunch of pictures of kind of this same thing or in different poses or something until uh and then you sort through them and then usually one of them stands out and you're like okay uh, i'm gonna use this one and then yeah i was kind of wondering too like if you're just thinking about designing a photo you're gonna take a photo um if you're basing it off of like a specific emotion 
Um, as a photographer, would there be specific things that you would do first um, to kind of plan it out? Or like, let's say you were trying to convey uh, like love or something. Would you, you know, would you try to take pictures with something like red? Because red is usually associated with love or how, like, how does that work? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of just uh, exactly what you do. You'd always just kind of try to uh, think of elements that kind of connect to what you want to convey, right? So like you said, you know, uh, colors like pink and red are usually associated with love. And then, you know, you can have maybe an image where like everything seems to be in harmony. Nothing is really like clashing a lot. Uh, And then you kind of, you know, build that picture around that with those central elements and then you you should be able to convey that feeling interesting yeah and so yeah i want to thank you again so much kenneth we always love hearing your nuanced takes on our themes um with that however it is sadly time to say farewell but we do give our thanks to star style productions cynthia bryan be the star you are and our voice america kids crew especially our voice engineer josh Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Joven Hundel. And I'm Jack Kalakos. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, celebrate nature, be positive, be generous, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.